Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. So how does one wait well and transition to a new relationship without the triggers from the previous one? Ooh. (laughs) All right. Transitioning well to a new relationship without the old one. Without the triggers, yeah. Well, please don't enter a relationship that's new until you've dealt with what's old. That would just be wisdom. That's a word. Um, If you are feeling needy, and that's why you're pursuing someone, you still need to heal. Um, So do that well. Um, Seek counsel, look inside yourself, and if there was things in that relationship that were not so healthy, figure out what those are so that you don't take those into the next relationship because a relationship is two people with their issues. With all your good and with all your bad, you're going to mix both. So that's a lot of things in the mix. So take care of what was and then as you're pursuing something new, hopefully you've dealt with the triggers of the past. If that needs to be like counseling because there's actually something deep and there was a traumatic issue in that relationship, please use the wise steps that are provided in your country and are available to you so easily that you can get wise counsel quickly and easily. Um, Dig into the Lord. The Lord directs our hearts, right? And out of your heart, everything flows. So find out what he's talking to you about and deal with those inner issues. And then to not trigger, bring the Lord into that. Um, We tend to leave Jesus outside of our relationships and he actually wants to be the center and the flow of everything we do. So if there's a trigger there, take a step back and ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on in my heart? What is flowing out of me that's a trigger that I need to deal with? And I think that's a honoring thing to do in relationship. It's okay to say, I think I need a hot minute because I'm not, I'm getting triggered here for some reason and I'm going to deal with that because I want to do this better. I think... I've heard it said, and I think I would agree with this, minimum half the length of time that you dated, if it, if it ended, give yourself minimum half the length. So if you dated a guy for two years and you got wounds from that, at least a year, and maybe that sounds too intense, you don't have to agree, but I'm just throwing it out there. At least a year to let your heart heal, figure some stuff out, figure out what in the relationship you need to work on and then let God heal and maybe counseling or whatever, the wounds that maybe that person could have caused depending on what kind of relationship it was, the level of health or unhealth. And then I would say waiting well. So for me from um, real life experience, like I always wanted a boyfriend. That's just the way I was wired from like Like, I joke that I came out of my mom looking for the boys. Like, where are the boys at? Um, So I had to take a break at one point and say, I need to stop looking for somebody. Why am I always looking for somebody? Wherever I was, I was looking. And so I took a a good break. Just saying, I found Dave, you know, late, shortly after. Yeah. Um, And he was an intern, so. He was an intern. (laughs) Wow. Yes. There's layers to that one. But <laughs> but with the waiting well, like if you are somebody who has a hard time not being with somebody, you need to deal with that. Because that's not healthy either. Because the next one's not gonna fix anything that's you. You need to fix your stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that the other thing that what Taylor's talking about with getting hung up with always being with somebody is that you actually miss the fact that there's stuff that you can only do when you're single for yourself because every, 
every relationship you have has its own dynamic, but as soon as you, you're out of that again, now your, your perspective can change and the things that you need to deal with can only be dealt with in that sphere of you and God to prepare you for what's next. And so rather than pulling out of a relationship and trying to insert yourself somewhere else, it's, that time is very valuable. It can be a breath of fresh air if you let it. And it can be that place where it's like, okay, like let's, let's recenter, let's get the healing that I need and like, yeah, really prepare something in my heart with God that can only be done in that, in that atmosphere and can't be done if you move from relationship to relationship. So just on that note then, how would you guys say would be the best way to maximize your singleness then? Backpack across Europe. No, I'm just kidding. I think to maximize your singleness is um, the best thing that you could do is actually um, live a life that you're enjoying and that is filled with purpose in God. Um, because if you're looking for someone to come and make your life uh, better or more enjoyable or whatever, you're, you're kind of, I think a, a, the ultimate relationship is two people living at 100% coming together. And so if you're living at 50% hoping that someone else is going to kind of fill in those gaps, um, that, that's needy. And so I think maximize your singleness is just learn yourself, learn your, you know, what, what God's called you to do and, and then live out of that and let someone join that party. I practiced not wanting to be friends with a lot of guys at the point that I was ready to step into a serious relationship when I wanted, I knew I wanted to get married. I was hoping I was going to meet somebody soon and I actually closed off some like like guy friends from high school that you could be buddy-buddy with and I felt like at that point for me that wasn't healthy anymore because I was enjoying those in a way that for a marriage that wasn't going to work. And so I started working on that because you, when you're married, like I don't have guy friends. I have couple friends with Dave, but I don't have guy friends anymore and that's not healthy. I don't need that. Right. Right. Awesome. Okay. Well, speaking on that point, um, let's say I'm a single guy or single girl. How do I know when I'm healthy enough to jump into a relationship? Um, I would say when it feels like an addition to your life and not like you are desperate for it. Um, I think when you're at a place with in your relationship with God where um, he's filling everything that you need and you're aware of where he's filling you where you're weak. I think that's really important because if you're just trying to fill what only God can fill with another person, that's not healthy. Um, yeah. I would ask somebody. Ask somebody who you admire that's in your sphere. Do you think I'm healthy enough to date? And if they say no, say, okay, tell me what should I what's worth fixing before I date? Because you're never going to be perfect. Like, if you're waiting to be perfect to get married, good luck. Um, but if there's, like, a couple things that you could fix that would make you someone that is more dateable, more marryable, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. I, think you want to, I think you want to be secure in what your convictions are. If you're a very different person when you start dating somebody then you're kind of wet cement and that's, that's not exactly great. Like the convictions that you have now as a single person and who God's calling you to be, you want to lock in on that. You don't, you don't want to, well, what does it take to get that girl? She's into that. Okay. I'm into that. Uh, you, you want to actually, you know, know yourself because the, the compromises of your character early in the relationship then become where you start to not really know yourself. And so I think if, if you've got those convictions in place, then you're ready. So good, so good. Okay, this is a very specific one on maybe possibly about jumping into a relationship. So this is from a man's, a male perspective. There's a girl at Elia that I like. 
We talk almost every week, but I just don't get the feeling she's interested romantically. Should I just ask her out anyways, or should I just feel things out and maybe go down the road and see what happens? Ask her out. Ask her out. Ask her out. Ask her out. What do you, what do you got to lose? Yeah, I, think, I think there's so much pressure of like, it ha- like you're, you're not making a marriage proposal. You're not, you know what I mean? So be prepared. If she says no, don't be weird. Don't be weird about it. Just like, okay, she said no. Don't be weird. Just, okay, back off. You, you tried and now you know. And, um, but I mean, what's the, what's the big deal? Hey, would you like to go for coffee? Um, I don't see you that way. Okay, go cry in your cereal for a bit and then get over it. Just ask. Can I also add, don't be the weird guy that if somebody says no, that you're continually just like hammering it down, like chasing that girl around every single week, heavy breathing when she's, when she's around, like, yeah, like just like slowly coming up behind her while she's talking to somebody else. Don't be that guy. Just take the, take the sign for what it is. You're not that guy. There's somebody else for you. I think, too, what I want to speak to guys is that women are looking for somebody that's confident, and confidence is first asking the question, and second confidence is if she says no, that I'm okay with it. Like, you just have to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there, and then you have to be okay with just whatever the answer is, it doesn't change me, like, it's not earth shattering. You just like what Pastor Matt was talking about, like, you know your convictions, you know who you are, like, you can live your life, you can ask a girl out, she can say no, and you can, you can stay the same person. Like, it's very much possible. True. If it shatters your whole world, then you know there's deeper things going on. Yeah, go back to whatever that question was earlier on that we talked about. So good. Next question. How do you approach conversations regarding sexual purity in a relationship and how much should your partner know? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think you, the first answer is like cautiously and, and carefully. I, you don't want to just be flippant with something that's so significant. Uh, reading some of the subtext in that question, it's I, I think a bit of like, what if I have a bit of a past or I'm wanting to know if the person that I'm interested in has a bit of a past? I think that there has to be a correlation to the level of, um, the, the level of progression in the relationship. Like, it, that's not date one. Like, let's go for coffee. So, tell me about your sexual history. Like, that, that's, right? That's a lot. So, you kind of, you, you, you want to have that read on those other things of convictions and things that you're seeing that are aligning. And then when you're going to have, you know, that discussion, I think it's when you feel like this isn't just exploring interest, but I think we're exploring compatibility. And I think when you get to that point, then you want to have that conversation cautiously, carefully, where it's not painting a picture in the other person's mind or conjuring jealousy, um, but, but is also being fair that before the heart gets too entangled, if the if they're thinking, hey, we're both virgins and there's, you know, maybe some story that you need to share, I, th- I think there's reason to share that um, relatively early enough in the, in the kind of just, you know, kind of just post-exploration phase that you would want to kind of give someone that, that opportunity. So, and then I just, like I said, not a lot of graphic detail, that kind of thing. I think pushing all the way toward if this is like, wow, I think this is the one, like we're looking at getting married, I think you are obligated uh, before God, I'll just lay it down as heavy as I can. I think you're obligated before God to tell someone that you're going to enter into covenant with to give them the full sexual history that you have. And that that is, has, I think that that is, um, a number, so if there was more than one person, I think it's, it's the people. I think it is <clears throat> the level of intensity. If like there was a, like we were in love and we, whatever, we lived together, whatever. okay, that's another level of intensity. Um, and I think the, the, the frequency. So I, I think those things are important for there to be an understanding and fully knowing 
what it is that's back there that doesn't have to scar the future, but I promise you it will scar the future if you find out after you're in covenant. Oh, by the way, that girl you just met in the mall, she and I used to, hold on a second, that's unfair. So I think when you're at the point of commitment, full disclosure has to go both ways. Okay, so we've had the conversation about purity in a relationship. Now it's time to set the boundaries. So what kind of boundaries should we be setting? Like where is the line and how far can we go? I love these questions. <laughs> um, I think, when I think about this question in particular, I think about the, not the heart behind it, but like the reason for the question. And I just think it comes, not that it's, it's not from a, from a place of like, really, I want to know this, but it's more like, like how, how close is the line? How can I ride it if I'm like, I know maybe not everyone asks it that way, but some people do. And for me, I'm like, we have the Bible and if you think of it just as a textbook, it could be really hard because if I'm trying to understand what the Bible is saying in my own life without God, it can be very confusing. But like, we're not studying for a test here. Like we do have God that is enabling and equipping us for a life of godliness. And I think that if you're in the word and you're praying that God makes it come alive to you, that when you're living your life and you're asking the Lord for wisdom, that when you're praying about your relationship with somebody that you, and you can even do this when you're single, like, what do I want my life to look like when I'm in a relationship with somebody? What do I want the boundaries to be like? God, what do you want my boundaries to look like? And I think that that will vary, like it can vary based on sexual history. Like that could, that could be like some really hard limits that you need to set. But that's something that you can do with God and yourself before you get into a relationship. And then like, like we're talking about two people coming together at 100%, they might have boundaries as well if, if you're finding the right person that's done that. And you can together, you can establish those boundaries so that you've done, you've done your boundaries with God, she's done her or he's done hers, uh, done the boundaries with God. And when you come together, then those boundaries are already kind of in place. And then it's kind of like an ongoing thing rather than, oh crap, that was a boundary we should have had, and uh, we're definitely over that now. So it's, it's very intentional, but it's also like being intentional with the Lord to make sure that your heart is matching with his heart, and you kind of adapt what God has for you, rather than saying, I'm sure there's a line here somewhere. Let's, let's go close to it and see when we are close. Like it just, it's just the wrong approach to do it that way, I think. I, I would say that um, the level of physical intimacy should correlate to the level of commitment. So we understand from a biblical worldview that sex is reserved between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage, okay? So that is kind of the ultimate expression of physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. So that's someone who's in covenant and pledged the rest of their life to be with one another. If that's kind of, let's just say, the, um, the, the end zone, I don't know, the word backwards from there. Okay, so what's the level of correlation between physical intimacy and the level of commitment that we have? If I am, if we are more physically engaged than the level of commitment I'm willing to give to you, I'm not giving you anything, I'm taking from you. That, 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 that just making out and copying a feel, whatever is, is just, I'm just using you because there isn't commitment in my heart. And so I think that is a, a, is a heart check. And then you, you, wanna, you wanna have the mindset while you're dating that if this doesn't work out, I wanna be able, look, so speaking as a guy, if this relationship doesn't work out, and she starts dating a friend of mine, I wanna be able to look him in the eye and know I handed him off with purity. I, I handed her off with purity. I, di I, didn't, I didn't take something from her. And so I don't have to feel ashamed in our friendship that there was something, some boundaries that we breached. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's thinking that way. I think about physical boundaries. There's some really practical things like, so if you do have a, a history 
of whatever level of of activity, sexual activity, I guess you can call it, you've done with ever, other people, if you have multiple, um, his, if you have a history, see if there's some commonalities. Is it is it after midnight? Is it in a car? Is it, figure it out. Because, so I, like I said, I, I, I dated, well, I don't know if I said this, it was maybe assumed. I dated a bit, and so I could see you know where am I? Where am I putting myself in a spot where inappropriate things could happen, and I want them to happen because I'm lacking self-control in this moment, and I take myself out of those opportunities. It's really basic. Take yourself out of the opportunities to transgress past what you have a conviction about. And so, when Dave and I dated. Um, we were really, really careful to basically not really be alone. And, and it was helpful because we both lived with our parents still at home. And when we got married, we, we moved in together. Um, but we were just really careful. And then we actually, as our relationship got more serious, which it got serious pretty fast, um, because he was an intern for a year and, and we liked each other the whole time. Um, so, so we went into a relationship quite serious. And so not everybody's doing that. And I understand that. But for us, those conversations happened quite quickly because we were aware of the end goal of we both, you know, were assuming we would probably get married. We would be, we would have been more surprised if we didn't go that way just because we liked each other for so long. Um, and a lot of things lined up well with us. And so we were really, really careful to be open and honest with each other um, so that we, neither of us were stepping over boundaries that felt wrong for us. And so we actually had a thing. This is for a more serious relationship. Like we were probably engaged at the time. And even if we were like kissing goodnight at the door, sometimes we had to tell each other like, I actually need to stop right now. For me, like my mind is going somewhere that I don't want it to go. And even though, you know, maybe in that moment he was okay, he was just kissing me goodnight. I was like, I'm just going too far in my head. So see ya. Um, and, but we had to be transparent with each other because it's not just about what you're doing with your body. It's about what is my mind doing? And I want to have a pure heart before the Lord and I'm not a married woman. So how can I make sure that I have a pure mind and a pure heart. And I, how can I make sure that I go into a marriage saying, I did a good job. Like we did a good job. We, we worked hard to protect ourselves before we were in covenant. And now we're in covenant and now all systems go. I don't know. <laughs> and I, th I think it's important for people to know that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that it's not hard work to not want to physically go places that you're not supposed to like there you just have to you have to acknowledge the struggle inside of you to be able to make it like to be able to overcome it like it it was hard work like it's hard work to go from serious dating to being engaged for a short period of time or a long period of time because that's another level of commitment that's like well we're almost married this is harder and but on the other side of that is if you put in the work and if you say like in every stage of our relationship that God is first, then when you do get to the married point, you get into, into your marriage and everything is just, it's awesome from the perspective of, it's like God saying, good job. Like you've done a good job. Yeah. You feel great. Like it feels amazing. Um, just to go into marriage, knowing that you did every, every stage of the relationship leading up to that, that you did it correctly. So it is hard work, but God is there to help you. And there is wisdom. And I think the most basic wisdom is don't like late at night stuff. Like you got to avoid being alone. That's the most basic thing. Cause everything bad happens late at night. I just, I just want to say one more thing because I think what Dave is saying is so true. You have these desires. It's not like you're a Christian and your sex drive is just off until honeymoon night and just, boing, hey, here we go. All right, that's what this is. You know. So, so the reality is you have to ask why. Why are we restraining ourselves of this natural urge and drive? Why are we doing that? Is this just like we're proving to God Hey God, we're just jumping through this hoop to show you that we, you know, we'll be good little Christians. The reality is, is that 
again, that intimacy reserved for covenant, the why behind that is this, is that you are sowing into your relationship. You are investing something into your relationship and demonstrating into this relationship. I can be trusted in high pressure situations where all systems go physically, but because of my conviction before the Lord, even with you who will be mine in months or whatever, I will restrain myself out of honor for God. That's sowing something good into your relationship because when there's, it's not as though when you get married, all of a sudden it's just like all the temptation is gone and no one else pays any attention to you, whatever. No, there, there's temptation that, that, that surrounds, but when you've sown into your relationship, I'm a man of covenant, I'm a woman of covenant, what's happening? is you're building trust into the relationship that in the future, in the fires of difficult times and flirtations, whatever, I'm a person of covenant that I am honoring God. And I, I believe that's why God asks us to forego that in that dating season. I also think it helps. He knows it'll help us to speed up into the relationship because some people date way too long. And so just, you know, moving forward into a relationship as well. And if I'm the kind of person that will transgress while I'm dating, why wouldn't that come into my marriage? So it's, there's so many practical reasons for, um, for sexual purity. And, and that's one of them too. Like I've said to girls who are dating, like just because you get married doesn't mean that you don't want a cute boy to look at you and you know, like that doesn't necessarily go away. And those are things that you work at. That's what I worked at. I worked at that before I found Dave. I was like, I need to stop looking to flirt. I'm going to stop looking to flirt because when I'm married, I'm not going to be flirting. So why would I flirt now? And it's the same thing with, with sexual purity. Like if Dave wanted to do things with me before we got married, well, what's that going to look like in our marriage? Maybe not right away, but maybe we, you know, you know, you can, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's good. Can I add one more thing, if yeah. that's all right? Go for it. Um, I, this has been a long one, but it's a good um, as far as just boundaries go, and this is a little bit of a separate thing, but um, boundaries also matter like when you're by yourself. And um, Jesus put it like, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And so... Um, Pastor Matt has mentioned this before, but like, it's not like he wanted to see a bunch of like blind people walking around with no eyes. But what he's saying is, if something's causing you to sin, don't like, don't even go there. Like, don't even like put the boundary. The boundary there is, I don't even have eyes. That's the boundary there. And so, um, but honestly though, like when it comes to pornography and stuff like that, like the cost is too high. The cost is too high. Like what Jesus is saying there is your eyeballs aren't even worth the cost of what you're giving up when you're going to that place. And so similar with when you're in a relationship, like don't like put a boundary there. Like it's not even possible to like, it's not even possible to see because my eyes are gouged out in the same way in your relationship. Say it's not even possible to go past the boundary. I'm not going to go to a house by ourselves because I don't want to even make it possible where there's a bed and all that stuff going on. I'm not even going to make it possible in the same way as single people make it impossible. Get a cell phone without, get a smartphone or a not smartphone if you need to. Like the cost is way too high. Don't make the excuses in your brain that are saying like, yeah, I, I need my cell phone or whatever. Get rid of it mm-hmm. if you need to. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, Let's say those boundaries were crossed. How can I reset our physical boundaries and seal purity again? Is that like spoken within a relationship? Someone's in the relationship? It looks like it, Okay, so if they're in a relationship, and if you're in a relationship and you've crossed boundaries and conviction comes to your heart, first of all, embrace that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the devil, okay? It's not like the devil's like, I'm just gonna throw a wrench in your relationship. Like, that's God working on your heart. So embrace that conviction. How? Confess it as sin. Don't minimize. The worst thing you can do with sin is minimize it and justify it. So if it was sin, call it sin and repent for it as such. And in the relationship, if this is a a relationship and you guys have crossed the boundary, don't just go, well, we kind of messed up. No, we sinned. I sinned against you and, you know, vice versa. 
and repent to God and to one another. And then I would say, get a vision that you can articulate to each other about what you want this relationship to look like. Because, um, because a vision, the Bible says that without vision, we throw off restraints. And so uh, accountability doesn't give you restraints. Accountability is good, but vision gives you restraint. Uh, who are we going to be? What kind of testimony do we want to have in our relationship? In if we're going to get married, what that's going to look like? What, how, what are we going to tell our kids? That whole thing. Like, what's our story? Uh, what's the vision of how we're going to live life? Get that vision and articulate it of we want to, you know, we're working towards getting married. Okay, we want to save ourselves from this point forward for our honeymoon night out of honor for God. And say it out loud, articulate it, come into agreement. And I think that that, you know, keep just pull it out of the shadows and just get real about it before God and with each other. I think too, I think that it's it's fair to say that it's very hard to cross a line, pull yourself back, and then keep yourself from moving again. Because you've are like without the, doing the stuff that Pastor Matt's talking about, you've already, you have decided to compromise together. And now you're trying to together pull back and say, we're not gonna compromise anymore. But the very thing that got you there in the first place is the thing you're trying to stop. So I think one of the, one of the things that is very important is to, when you, you, you almost have to treat yourself like a child that has, is repeatedly does something bad to the point where as a parent, your parent would take things back really far so that you don't even get close again. So for yourself and your relationship, let's say Taylor and I crossed the line and we wanna go back, well, maybe we have to put boundaries in place that make us feel really dumb. Like we're never alone together. Like past seven o'clock like just something ridiculous that you're like wow like this sin really messed us up and we have to go way back to remind ourselves that we weren't we didn't do a good job the first time and now we're trying to reestablish that we haven't been what we wanted to be so we're going to take it all the way back and so that was kind of what i said it in a previous answer is like depending on your level of sexual history or whatever it might influence your boundaries but i think that the best thing that you can do when you're trying to, to repent and to change your ways of thinking is to constantly remind yourself of the mistake that you made by putting boundaries in place that are like, wow, I really messed up and I'm like in kindergarten again. Kind of feels dumb. But it's a, it's, a, it's a really good reminder of just what you're fighting for and like getting that vision and being like, okay, we have restrictions and we're not, gonna, we're not even going to go close to where we used to be. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, so Levi touched on this a bit, but we have a question about it. So the question is, I've had so many conversations regarding self-pleasure with friends and leaders, and almost all of them have different opinions, and it's been very frustrating. Is there no straight answer, or is it just a personal conviction? And I, I like, I, by self-pleasure, we mean probably masturbation. Right. Okay, so I think there can be, okay, there can be an argument made from the text that uh, Levi was referencing that that's what Jesus was talking about. There can be an argument made if your eye causes you to sin, if your right hand causes you to sin. He's talking about the whole thing, cut your hand off, poke your eye out. So there can be an argument to be made there. Um, whether that's explicit in the text, it isn't. So it's, it's one of those kind of reaches. I think... I think what we have to do is take the whole counsel of God into uh, consideration and realize that what uh, the Bible calls us to is purity at a heart level. And, and so um, I think if, if what is accompanying self-pleasure is lustful, animated, lustful thought, then it's a no-brainer that that's, that's, you know, out of, you know, off the table. And probably the majority of the time that is what's there. Um, and so I think, you know, but is there a, a chapter and verse text that the Bible says thou shalt not, you know, uh, no, it's not there. And so I think what we have to do is say, what's going on in my heart? What's going on in my mind? And is, is what's happening in my heart and mind prompting lustful release then then that's different than just a a pure physical release but i would say um 
you know, that's something that I think the whole counsel of God, and again, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I think Dave touched on that earlier, which was that we, you know, we're not just going off of a rule book. I, I touched on that a couple of weeks ago when we were preaching about, you know, relationship isn't a 35,000 page document of rules. There's, there's, you know, things that come out of relationship with God that help. So, yeah. Yeah. Good answer. Uh, okay. Let's turn the tables to a more serious relationship. So this question says, how much do you weigh not feeling right when you're thinking about marrying a godly boyfriend? How much do you weigh that feeling aspect? Ooh. So if you don't feel like someone is right for you, uh, I would weigh that heavily. Um, this is a girl asking? Yeah. So, so girls, you have an innate intuition that was given to you by the Holy Spirit. Do not discount it. Don't go into superstition of everyone's a creep. But if you are with a guy and you're dating them and there's something off, like, I just don't feel right. Okay? Don't discount that. Now, get wise counsel outside of that. Like, is, there, is this me being fearful? Do I have fear of commitment? Ask outside counsel, but ask the Holy Spirit, what are you trying to reveal to me? Is there something that I'm not seeing? And then others around you, do you see anything that I should be aware of? Am I myself with this person? What's going on inside of me that I'm not feeling 100% on? I'll speak from like a relationship aspect. And I feel like when I talk to people that are progressing through relationships, I tell them that the natural progression for a relationship is to want to get from the start of it to if I like this person, it moves along to like, I want to be engaged to them. And then it moves to like, I want to like, obviously when you're getting engaged, you want to get married. Like, I feel like a lot of relationships stall out at the dating phase because of exactly what we're talking about here that there's this hesitancy where it's like, I don't feel like they're right for me, but I'm too scared to seek the alternative, so we'll just stay here. Like I think one of the easiest ways to know that you're ready to move forward is the fact that you're, the natural progression for a relationship is to move forward, and so if you feel like you don't want it to move forward, that that's a pretty heavy sign that you should probably be following what you're, like what Lisa's talking about, that intuition. And like we're in, like we're raising our babies together. Like if you can project yourself seven years down the way married to this person, like it's how you feel right now matters. And if your gut is saying it's not right, like like you're in a relationship for your life once you make that commitment. And so if there's something saying it's not right, I agree with Lisa, you got to listen to that because this is not just someone who's going to give you the warm, fuzzy feelings for the rest of your life and hopefully like make you happy. Like you're going to hopefully have babies with this person and be like in the trenches, like doing life together, like, like going through the valleys and the high points. And this has got to be somebody that you want to do everything with. And if, if your gut's saying no, listen to Lisa. <laughs> okay so what do you do when you're afraid to commit farther to a godly boyfriend what do you do when you're afraid to commit further yeah like um you're in a relationship and it's going well but i'm afraid to go farther in the relationship let's say to engagement or marriage what do i do Okay, so I would just say confront your fears, and the best way to do that is imagine yourself broken up. Just, just pretend you broke up, and he moved on and started dating someone else. If that makes you cry, get over it. <laughs> like, just, just get over your fears and take the jump. But if you're like, oh, I kind of feel relieved, then break up and get that, let that guy get on with his life. Because if you're in a relationship and you're not feeling it, you're wasting time. And there's a lot of wasted time in relationships. If you're not feeling it, just, just end it. So I would say if you're trying to overcome the fear, Face it, picture yourself outside the relationship and see what that feels like. And if there's, if there's you know, some undue fear in there, like, you know, get some help with that. I think too, um, 
there's a difference between like being concerned about what that next stage brings with it. Like you can be concerned maybe like, how are we going to work out this one communication issue that we have? Or how are we going to make it financially? But to set aside those things and ask yourself, is there peace on the relationship beyond my concern? Because um, I think when you're with the right person and you're evaluating that next step, there's a piece that covers those concerns, if that makes sense. So you can still feel those natural concerns that you may have, but you feel peace on the relationship. And I don't really believe in like only one person is right for you. I believe that God can lead you and speak to you that that a person is good for you and you can have a beautiful life with them. But was Dave the only one I could have picked? No, but did God bring us together and it's it worked and we chose? Yes, and was there peace? All over it. We, we obviously both felt peace because we stepped into, into getting married. And so follow peace. Yeah. Follow peace. Peace is, is maybe, arguably, at speaking from remembering being an adult, it might be the, um, the most underrated part of God that can help you and lead you in the way you should go. And there's not one way. And so if maybe, I don't know who asked that question, if there's any fear that's just like, am I making, is there a wrong and a right? I don't really believe in that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Okay, are you guys good to do a few more questions? A few more left? Yeah, you loving it? Okay. Uh, so this one says, how do I explain to my friends why I'm saving myself for marriage in a way that doesn't sound judgmental if they haven't chosen the same path? Are they Christians or non-Christians? Because that matters. Yeah. Because if you're talking to non-Christian friends, for one, you can't expect them to get on board with you because they don't have a scriptural worldview. Um, and in that case you're a witness and even if it's that they think you're really weird or they don't get it you're still other than and that's valuable and if they're a christian does anybody want to jump in i could but what was it can you say the question one more time so it says how do i explain to my friends why i'm saving myself for marriage so I guess, how do I explain it in a way that doesn't sound judgmental towards them if they haven't chosen the same thing? Yeah, so if it's, if it's non-Christians that we're talking, yeah, then that's totally, then that, I agree with Taylor on that one. If it's a Christian, um, then I think it's okay if you sound a little judgmental. Is that all right for me to say? But, yeah, <laughs> I just said it. Um, but like, they, like, I think you should like be honest, have all those honest conversations with your friends. And I had a friend once who, who did cross boundaries and we had a conversation. I was like, buddy, like you should not be doing that. And he actually really appreciated it. Um, and so not that every conversation is going to go like, thanks buddy. If, if you're confronting them. <laughs> Uh, that, I was just lucky on that one, but um, yeah, I think maybe the judgment isn't a bad thing for them to feel if they're Christians. I think it's important to remember too, like as a Christian, if you're living a righteous life, like our scripture was like, the righteous are bold as lions. Like it's okay to be bold. And I think that applies to Christians and non-Christians. When going back to the non-Christians, I think it's also important to remember that as much as the world seems like they don't care about values, when they encounter somebody that does have values and has placed restrictions on themselves, there's, a, there's an innate value for, like we all internally have a value for the way that God operates. And when they encounter somebody that's operating under the righteousness of God, it's kind of like, well, I'm not living the same way you are, but I still, like I admire, yeah, I admire what you're doing with your life. Even if, and it, it can actually speak to them and be like, it can get them to ask the questions like, okay, Dave's, I really appreciate Dave. There's something different about Dave and he does this. Why does he do that? What does he have that I don't have? And I think that from a, like, from a sexual side, like that speaks volumes because people understand the sexual desire that's in just your physical body. And if 
you encounter somebody that's decided to restrict that, like that's a testimony in and of itself that speaks probably louder than maybe anything else that you could tell them about why you're a Christian. I also want to say, just in this question too, we always talk about judgment in a way of like, I never, like I don't want to judge anybody. And that's true, we can't judge anybody's heart. But we can judge people's actions. And people, like, um, like Jesus said, like, we'll know them by their fruit, right? And so if somebody's, if somebody's a Christian, so I'm not talking about non-Christians here, but if somebody's a Christian and they're doing stuff and you see the fruit and you see the actions are not up to the word, what the word is, is saying, we can judge those things. Otherwise, you can't really tell the fool from the wise guy in Proverbs, right? So, boom, I just said it. And to that question, if you, if you have friends that are not experiencing conviction about their actions, you can set boundaries about talking about that with them. Like, it wouldn't be healthy as a 16-year-old girl to talk to my 16-year-old friend who's a girl who's sleeping with her boyfriend because I don't, I don't want to be thinking about that if I'm trying to restrain myself and I have a, a plan of action. So that's not the question, but within the question, if you do, if you are having those conversations, it's okay to set boundaries about what you want to talk about. And if that ever ended a friendship, I think that's okay. So good. Okay. This is our second last question. And I find sometimes in when you enter a relationship, often one or both people will start to find their identity and contentment in that person. So what's one way when I'm in a relationship to not find my identity in that person, but to find it in God? I think one of the easiest litmus tests is to ask yourself, do I think about God as much as I think about the girl that I'm with? And if the answer is, well, I don't really think about God at all now that I'm with this girl, then I think that's a pretty good indicator as to where your heart stands. Um, I think that young love, it, it, it just, it has this way of just like crashing over you that it's natural to just like be enthralled with the person that you're with at the beginning, but it doesn't mean that God can't, can't be anywhere in that. Like there's, there's always room for God. And so like what I'm saying, like if you're not thinking about God at all and the life, like kind of we've touched about on it, but like your life changes to the person that you're with, like you're not the same person you were before, then that's the, that's a pretty good indicator as to whether or not God's really in it and you've decided to put God in it because it is a choice to put God in a relationship because you can very easily push him out and he will not, he will not keep you from doing that. Like you have the option to do that. And so that's a pretty easy question I think to ask yourself. I think that's uh, early in the relationship. I think that that's really good um, counsel. I would say that every truth is held in tension. And so the reality is, is it, it, depending on the level of commitment that there is in the relationship, I think there is going to be a sense of identity. Lisa and I have built a life together. And we've been married longer than we were alive before we got married. Like, so our, we, we have a whole life together that is a form of identity together that I don't think is wrong. Um, and God actually had Adam all to himself and was like, you need a girlfriend, right? So like, like, right? Like God was like, everything was good until he's like, you're getting weird. I'm going to get you a girlfriend. Go to sleep. Right? And so I think, I think the reality is, is that God made us for relationships, but he also made us for relationship and, and that relationship, I think it's okay for it to be a defining relationship and something that grows me. I don't, I, I God, please help me not be the guy I was 29 years. Like uh, hopefully I've grown. I'm not the same guy I was when I was 20. You know what I mean? And so I, I think there's that sense of, of growth that comes in the relationship together. And so I think if you're into a relationship of commitment, then actually that can be a part of how you're expressing your communion with God together. I think that's a beautiful thing because it's a core of three strands. That's a bar. All right, last one. Y'all are wild for this one. If men of God in the Old Testament 
had multiple wives and multiple sexual partners, why shouldn't we? Oh, okay. banger to end it off. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, so here we go. The Ten Commandments, okay, in the Old Testament, talk about God actually forbids adultery. That is, having sex with somebody that you're not married to. So, in the Old Testament, you're right. There's a bunch of people that had a whole bunch of wives. Here's what you have to understand. Some scripture is descriptive. Some scripture is prescriptive. There's a huge difference. The Bible describing something is not the same as the Bible prescribing something. So let's take Solomon as the like ultimate example. He had whatever, 700 concubines, 300 wives or something like that. He also absolutely crashed and burned his life and wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in a state of depression. Okay, because he went for sex, drugs, rock and roll and, and actually came to the end of his life and goes, why, why didn't I stay with the path of wisdom? So the other thing that is uh, really important to, to, to keep in mind as a Christian is something called the cross. Okay, and so like Jesus changed everything okay so what was failing in the old testament he came and opened up a whole new covenant in a whole new way and so but even in the old testament there was the commandment to you know one man one woman and then the same is in the new testament so so the idea of taking well yeah but this guy had it like okay and look at the quality of his life it wasn't good so the the real the real value in life if you want a real biblical narrative and motif the bible be begins with you know with a, a wedding essentially Adam and Eve in the garden it ends with a wedding Jesus and the church marriage is not a contract that was invented in North America or by people it's God's idea and that's why a lot of Christians get up in arms about people messing around with the definition of marriage why because it's God's idea and God God made this covenant idea that one man one woman for life can build a family and join in the created order with God to co-create life and to be able to build that life together. And that's Christ in the church, the whole thing. So hopefully that was just a silly question. But if you're serious, think again. (laughs) Any other answers to that one? It's a pretty good answer. Okay. (laughs) If if you can't shake that thinking, just don't get married. Don't ruin someone. Just saying. Don't ruin someone. Stay single. All right, so that wraps it up. Everyone give them a hand. Thanks for listening to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.